You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 113. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent five-figure months and then on to six and seven-figure years without burning out in the process. Wealth. Money. Two words that women in particular struggle to talk about struggle to embrace, struggle to explore, struggle to unpack. But why? Why is it so hard? Is it because of our upbringing around money and wealth, our money blocks, our beliefs, our stories, or is it maybe a combination? Regardless, I want to encourage women to start having healthy conversations around wealth and money, to start exploring wealth and money, to start redefining how they see wealth, why? It's simple. Women's economic participation and their ownership and control of wealth collectively speeds up development and helps overcome things like poverty, reduces inequalities, and improves our community and our world collectively. In addition, women typically invest a higher proportion of their earnings to their families, to other communities, to their business owners, meaning more women with wealth have more change. Wealth isn't just about us, you see. It's about the bigger picture. So today I'm super excited to have on the show a good friend of mine, Sonia Stepman, all the way from the USA, where we're going to be talking about the topic redefining and attaining wealth. We're going to be going deep on questions like how women can go about defining wealth, how wealth is connected to feeling worthy, how do women view wealth, how we complicate wealth, and why we even need more wealth for women. It's a juicy episode. And when I say juicy, super juicy. But before we jump into this awesome episode, I just want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my new masterclass, the ultimate four-step framework for creating a sustainable and profitable business. In my 60-minute jam-packed masterclass, you're going to learn my signature four-step framework for creating a sustainable and profitable business without sacrificing time with your kids, without the overwhelm, or without wasting any more cash. I'm also going to dive deep in the 60-minute mastermind about the four big business mistakes that everyone in business makes and why they're keeping you from growing a sustainable and profitable business. I'm also going to talk about what is working for businesses now and why most of what you're being taught about growing a business is outdated and wrong. To sign up for my free 60-minute on-demand masterclass, all you have to do is simply head to AngelaHenderson.com.au, scroll down to where it says, here's how I help, and click on the button that says free 60-minute masterclass. It is an epic masterclass. But now, sit back and get ready to enjoy this amazing episode about redefining and attaining wealth. Welcome to the show, Sonia. Thank you, Angela. It's amazing to be here. Now, I'm super excited because we're talking about wealth today, a topic I feel that, again, women don't really like to, I can. I think we tiptoe around this topic. But before we jump into the beautiful conversation we're going to have today about wealth, I do want to touch upon, Sonia, 
something that I think you and I do well, and that's collaboration over competition. And what I mean is that both of us are business coaches and we get tagged regularly on similar business posts that people are asking for business consultants. Now, we could have looked at each other as you're my competition or I'm your competition, but in fact, we've done the complete opposite. We get on monthly calls to brainstorm ideas together. We get on each other podcasts. We check in on each other. And we're also constantly just looking for opportunities for one another. And I believe this is around a mindset thing and and that we really choose to look at collaboration over competition. And so before we jump straight into wealth, even though my next question ties in with wealth is how important do you think collaboration over competition is in business, especially for women? And how much of that also mindset feeds into kind of the foundational elements of women looking at wealth collectively? Oh my gosh, such a good question. And I 100% agree, right? Like it is so amazing when we take the opportunity to collaborate. And Mm -hmm. I think part of that is just recognizing that each of us is so unique. Each of us brings something so amazing to the table. And there is plenty of support and clients and wealth for everyone. Mm -hmm. And And I think that does absolutely play into a mindset. You know, it's that scarcity mindset versus the wealth mindset. Mm -hmm. When we're in the scarcity mindset, we absolutely worry about our competition. We worry about people taking something from us. But when we're in the wealth mindset, there's plenty for all. And it's such a different and more amazing place to come from. Absolutely. And I think, again, you use the word opportunity there. And we were actually just talking about opportunity before we hit record. So, you know, we'll, we'll detour slightly before we get back on that topic of wealth about opportunity. And there's a lot of shit going on in the world at the moment. You guys have elections coming up. We won't get into too much of politics, Sonia. But we also have COVID still lingering around. And at time of recording just last night, you know, uh, here in Australia, Melbourne is going into lockdown, you know, level four, our highest restrictions we've had here in Australia because of the, you know, kind of second wave we've got. An opportunity. So you and I looked at this as an opportunity for one another to, again, team up from a place of collaboration versus competition, an opportunity. How important do you think it is for us to be looking at things from an opportunity point of view versus like a Debbie Downer, poor me? Because right now in Melbourne, don't get me wrong, there's going to be people shitting themselves and scared, and that's okay. That's 100%. That's part of the grieving process because whenever there is loss, there is grief. But on the other side, when people kind of come through that a little bit is how important do you think it is and how much opportunity do the people of Melbourne or around the world and you know, also in the United States where you're at have right now? Yeah, look, there's so much opportunity. There's really literally always opportunity. Mm -hmm. And again, that comes back to sort of that mindset. How do we look at the world? Do we look at it as opportunity or we look at it as there's nothing we can do? We're powerless. Mm -hmm. When we really see all that opportunity, there's always something we can pivot, always something we can change, always a market we can fill. There's literally always an opportunity, but we have to look at it from that mindset. Mm -hmm. So opportunity for you women and men out there listening, what opportunities potentially are standing right in front of you right now that you could grasp and start doing testing, start seeing how that works for you? Is it aligned with your values? Isn't it? And what does that look like? So as you can see, Sonia and I can start talking about a variety of topics, but today we are talking about wealth. And before we get into that, Sonia, I always like to ask my guests a fun question so they get to know you a little bit more before we hop into the beautiful conversation of wealth. And so my question that I'd like to ask you today is, what is your all-time favorite movie and why? 
Oh my gosh, that is such an impossible question. There's so <laughs> many amazing movies. I have to say one of my all-time favorites is probably Amelie. Have you ever seen that movie? No, Angela? I haven't. No. It's so good. It's actually a French movie and it's, you know, from many, many years ago. And it is really just this magical, I don't know, I guess it's all about sort of the magic of life and how we can reframe things. And yeah, it's a really beautiful movie. Oh gosh, I'll have to check it out. No, I've never heard of it. Is, was it like new releases is it like was it not advertised in places oh look it was probably 20 years ago I mean I don't even know it was a while ago but it's one of those classic I think at the time we kind of considered it like a cult film it was like an independent film but it's just such an amazing movie so I would highly recommend it all right no thanks for that now listeners out there might not know who you are Sonia as clearly as well as I do so I'd like you to just take a moment to tell us a little bit about you where you're at now both physically and in location I should say, and where you're at, like, what is, what does your business model look like? So people get to know a little bit more of Sonia. Okay, thanks. So I'm Sonia Statman. I've been a business and leadership coach for about 20 plus years. Um, I'm currently residing in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I've traveled around the world. I lived in Australia for about eight years. So that's sort of where I got a lot of my Australian connections. I typically work with women who want to change the world and I help them sort of with that transformation and getting the toolbox to really do that. So I work with women in corporate, I work with women in leadership positions and women in politics and also women in business. And my business model is I have a long-term coaching program that's really awesome. I actually have an amazing one-day event coming up called Reclaim 2020 Mm -hmm. um, and I do some clarity coaching also on a regular basis. Dude, super fun. And we will talk more about your event later because I'm really excited for that. I know tickets just launched last week. Uh, So yes, we'll talk more about that later. But yes, so wealth, no gasp, everyone gasp like, oh my God. (laughs) And just talking about wealth, it's a dirty word. Or why should women be talking about wealth? It's not our place to be talking about money. Yeah, right. I call bullshit on all that. Um, And so today we're talking about wealth. So I'd love just to start with why do you think women struggle to talk about wealth? Well, you know, this is such an interesting because I've done a, a big deep dive recently into this topic of wealth, into just the concept of wealth. And I also had all my clients kind of moving through a deep dive on wealth. Mm-hmm. And what I discovered is that a lot of it is we have bad definitions and reference points around wealth. Wealth has not been defined for us as women. It hasn't been defined for our values. Mm -hmm. And so what's so interesting is when we redefine it, when we look at how we would define wealth from our values, it changes the game. And I think it makes it so much easier for us to embrace it and go after it and create it. And so for those women that are like, all right, Sure, Sonia. Sure. And like redefine wealth. Let's talk about that because I think people might be, again, it sounds pretty simple, but I think sometimes again, we overthink things, not just women, but men also. Right. So I want you, how can women go about redefining wealth? Yeah. So I think it's really important to start with redefining it from your values. And actually, it's really great to start and look at uh, the definitions you already have for wealth. Mm -hmm. So like when I was doing this exploration on myself, I realized that I've kind of got these two perspectives on wealth. My my dad kind of was all about getting wealth and spending wealth and showing wealth. And, you know, it was kind of all about himself. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, let's get wealth and give it all away. So she had more sort of this like, let's give it. It's all about others. Uh And so it was so interesting because my definitions around wealth have always been, it's all about self or it's all about others, right? There's no in between. And so when I started to look at, but how do I want to view wealth? 
Well, I want to view wealth is I can receive wealth. I can enjoy wealth. I can experience wealth and I can also give my wealth to others. Mm -hmm. And that was me redefining it. And once I did that, it was more aligned with my values and so much easier to create and so much easier to like enjoy even. And do you think, I don't know, surely wealth must be connected with worth in some way. 100%. So connected to worth. But and what does that look like? Because it's like, again, some women out there going, hold on, okay, you guys are throwing me a few curveballs. We've got wealth. We've got to redefine wealth. You're making me look at my history. It might not be a good thing to go back there, right? But wealth has to be connected to worth. Yes, it is. And, and it's interesting because sometimes, at least I always thought in the past that you needed to get to the worthiness first mm-hmm. before you could redefine wealth. But actually in this experiment I've been doing with my clients, what I've realized is that when you redefine wealth and you try it on, right, you embody it, you feel it, you let yourself visualize it, you let yourself experience it, even in really small ways. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you go to the store and rather than being like, oh, I shouldn't buy that. You're like, yes, I have a wealthy mindset. I absolutely can buy that for myself. Mm-hmm. When you start to do all of that, it actually raises up your worth. So Mm -hmm. they're really tied together. So you can go in it through the worthy side or you can go in it through the wealthy side. I know it's uh, Denise Duffield Thomas, who's a good friend of mine, talks about up-leveling, right? Your wealth. And that when you, and up-level can be so different for many different people. But like for me is, is I'm not a huge spender. I'm just like, I don't collect a lot of things. They don't mean a lot of things to me, right? But one of the things Denise talks about in her book, Get Rich Lucky Bitch, is that If you're looking at wealth and money, just money, right? The physical concept of money and you're putting money into just like the bottom of your purse, right? Like you're just chucking it in there and the bills are all crumpled and all things like that. It's just like, even though you might not think it's a big deal, there's still going to be a connection, right? In regards to how you treat money, potentially how you look at money, et cetera. So I was like, Again, I was like, really? But then I like unpacked it and I was like, yeah, like it's not like I don't care about it, right? But it was just one of those, I was like, actually, no, I do care about money. I care about what that means for me, what that means for my family, how I can have a legacy from that. But if I'm just kind of checking it in there, then I wonder if that's how I was doing it in other places of my life, right? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it was. So when I looked at it, so I went to this again, and for people who know me, you guys know I'm in hoodies and sweatpants and flip flops 99.9% of the time. <laughs> and there's this beautiful green bag at this plate at the store in Brisbane called the Humming, uh, Hummingbird Store. And I was like, oh my goodness, that bag's super fun. But again, because I don't buy a lot of, do you know what I mean, little things, because that's just not me there was that mindset I had, I was like, Oh, no, I don't need it. But then I was like, No, hold on a minute, if I up level and take better care, what would this look like? And for those of you that are like, again, you know, I'm going from 10% woo, I've moved into the 15% well, woo, <laughs> um, is I do think that there was a direct correlation, right? My credit cards are all neatly put in there, my changes put into my change thing. And by up leveling, and I did buy the expensive purse, I think it ended up being like $180. My husband, he was gasping because he's like, that's not like you. Why, why, why did you do that? And I don't need to ask him permission or anything, but he was equally shocked, right? Like, that's just not like you. And so what happened, right? So I do think it's, it's interesting that when we look at wealth and we look at that worthiness, but also up leveling, because I think, again, when we up level, we're saying to the universe, like, hey, you know, like, I'm ready, I'm game. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, it's interesting because you know when I work with wealth and when I sort of support women, one of the things they have to do is give themselves permission mm-hmm. to have more, right? Uh-huh. So 
so often we're closing ourselves off from wealth. We're closing ourselves off from money. We're closing ourselves off from having more. Mm -hmm. And so there is this big kind of deliberate thing we need to do to open ourselves up to receive it. Mm -hmm. And that can be done in physical ways, like exactly as you described, or Mm -hmm. it can be done in mental ways or it can be done in visualization or it can be done through writing a letter to yourself and giving yourself permission, right? There's all these different ways that we can express it, Mm -hmm. but it is about that decision to open ourselves to more wealth. Mm -hmm. And with that decision process, and we might talk about that a little bit later on, but what are some, like, what have you seen to, because there's a process, you said decision process, right? So what is that? Can you walk us through a little bit about what that process looks like? I know we won't go deep into it, but what is like, what do the women need to be thinking about to start moving through that process? Well, like I said earlier about the redefining wealth, it actually really comes back to that. Because okay, yeah. one thing that's so interesting is because, you know, when we have a definition of wealth that doesn't align with our values, we can't create wealth. Like mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. Uh-huh. It's almost like our, you know, being won't allow it. You know, our in more knowing self, our wiser self just doesn't allow us to receive. So what's really interesting is the first thing we have to do is decide what wealth is going to mean for us. Yep. And when we define that, when we're like, okay, wealth for me, looks like this. Wealth for me feels like this. Wealth for me, you know, aligns with these values of mine. Cause I'm a lot like you where for me, it's not about possessions or a huge house or a fancy car. You know, in fact, I love my little $20,000 car, you know, (laughs) and I probably wouldn't even get anything else. So, you know, like there, but there is certain parts of wealth that I really do value. Like for instance, I want to invest in small businesses. I want to invest in women. I want to empower women. You know, I would love to have more and more and more wealth to be able to empower more women. So there's all these ways in which we, when we redefine well to our line with our values, that's actually the first step. Yep. And once we have a definition, once we can feel what that feels like, then we have to, it's almost like it happens automatically. Like sometimes we think that we have to go through this big, long process and decision-making, but when you feel it, it's almost like you make this decision to go after it. And it's kind of an automatic process. So Mm -hmm. it was really cool to watch this happening with my clients as we were exploring, you know, kind of this process. And as they redefined wealth, they started to make different decisions for their wealth. Mm -hmm. No, fantastic. And I think, again, it's, there's also, it can be confronting, I'm assuming, for some women also, Mm -hmm. because Listen, t- there's a lot of trauma for women collectively. Again, I'm not minimizing that men don't have trauma. But there's a lot of trauma from childhoods p- potentially. Do you know what I mean? Again, yep. what our parents defined wealth as, what are we carrying, you know, what are we potentially saying to our kids? So, you know, it, it can be challenging for some of you out there, but I agree the the sooner that you can start redefining it, again, you're claiming it, you're going to take a stance, things are going to go from there. But for wealth, when we look at wealth, is is attaining wealth just about making money in our businesses, you know, getting to that seven figures because there's an enormous push to hit the seven figures or is there something more that we should be thinking about? There's definitely more we should be thinking about. I mean, what I see is there, there are lots of people who are pushing towards that high income, which is fantastic, but also they get more stress. They get more responsibility. Like some people have seven figure businesses, but they're taking home $5,000 a month because their expenses are so high and they're- exactly infrastructures are so, you know, big. And so, you know, when I looked at wealth, one of the things I really look at is things like ease. You know, for me, wealth is defined by ease. If Mm -hmm. I don't have ease, then it's not wealthy. So I can Mm -hmm. have millions of dollars in the bank and a seven figure business and, you know, have everything one could possibly want in terms of that physical wealth. But if I don't have ease, it's not wealth to me. 
And so we have to think in terms of our lifestyle, how we feel, what we want, what kind of wealth is in our family in terms of like, how much time are we spending with them? Are we doing what we want? Do we feel freedom? There's a tons of definitions around wealth besides just money. And I think it's good to know because it's also when you look at wealth just from the physical essence, right? Is you touched upon there is that you can be a business owner who is hitting seven figures. But if you're divining wealth from what's in the bank, right? You might not actually be wealthy from a place of physical money, right? So there's a lot of businesses out there that will have a seven figure launch. But when you ask them, and if they'll let you into that world, they'll say, yeah, but I spent $900,000 on ads or ads plus staff plus whatever. And so I know a good friend of mine, Zach Spuckler had asked on his Facebook personal page the other day, would you rather have a million dollars and have teams, expenses, et cetera, to bring out $100,000, right? (laughs) Right. Or would you rather, and so that would be like, 10%, 10%, I believe, profit margin right there, right? Is that right? Yep. Yeah, 100000 yep. Or would you rather have a $400,000 business and have 25% profit, which, which would still be $100,000? That's right. Or would you rather have $110,000, but $100,000 of that is profit, right? Exactly like, right. Yeah. And so again, I think it's not only, I just love that we're opening up this conversation about wealth because I mm. think there's so many gurus out there telling you that wealth has to look like seven figures, but what comes with that particular wealth, if that's what you're going for, is potentially going to be very different for other people and at different parts of the business journey, right? And that if you're after a physical number, you potentially can make more money by working less and with more ease and without a bigger team, then you can actually, you know, profit that same amount of money by hitting the seven figures. So it's something that I think women need to be thinking about. Yes. And I also think on that note that women don't usually connect to numbers. Like almost every client comes to me and I'm like, okay, what is, what's your vision? What do you want to create? And they might have a number in mind, you know, yeah, seven figures, or it might even be just, I want to make 20K a month or whatever it is that they have sort of, and I think, and I'm like, so how does that feel to you? What, how do you connect to that? What does it mean to you? And they're like, I don't know. I mean, isn't that what I'm supposed to say? Or isn't that what I'm supposed to make? Yes. You know, isn't that what we're supposed to do? And I'm like, no, what do you want to feel? What do you want to, what connects to you? And very rarely do women connect to numbers. Mm -hmm. And that's why you've got to understand what that number actually brings you. And I also think, you know, numbers are so important too for growth and wealth again. Because I know when I was working with a mentor, uh, a man that I had met, uh, Felix, he was on, I don't have the episode number on, but I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, when I had Felix, I met him in the mail dives on my mastermind last September, and he was just such a breath of fresh air. Because he's talking about, I had always kind of known my numbers, but started to really unpack them. Because he's mm. like, Ange, if you want to be a seven-figure business, you don't have to do anything. And that's kind of my motto is no one has to do anything. But if you genuinely want to be able to invest back into the, your community um, and help, I'm similar to you, help other women or help, you know, my passion is around mental health too and all that. He's like, you're going to have to really get down to those nitty gritty of numbers. But so often people are scared of numbers because numbers can't lie. Numbers, they're there. They're in your bank account or they're not in their bank account. You're either making it or you're not making it. 
And so he was really big about empowering me about really honing in on, you know, those different elements of income streams that I bring in, which one has the biggest ROI, how much time is going into that. And through that process, that's also really opened up my eyes about how I was redefining wealth over the last 12 months. Because without knowing those numbers, it's going to be really hard for me to invest my wealth for what I want to do, right? If I'm not bringing in X amount of money, what are your thoughts about women just knowing their numbers collectively? Yes. And look, the way I kind of would split some hairs on that, right? Like I think we have to know numbers for measurement and they Mm -hmm. can be neutral, right? They just tell us the facts. We Mm -hmm. have money in the bank. We don't. We charge this. We don't. We're making this money. We're not. It's not the meaning of them that women yes. are so scared of, right? Women, we get scared of like, oh no, that means we're a failure. That means we're not successful. That means we're not worth anything, right? Yeah. That's where it gets really challenging. But in turn, what's so interesting is that I, th- I feel numbers are really important to know for measurement, for understanding neutrally what's working and not working, for comparing, like you talked about in terms of ROI, like which of your products, which of your services are actually producing the most profit, which are you know sort of the most successful. There's all kinds of ways that numbers and measurements are super important in your business. And one of the things I've I've come to understand is that in your vision, numbers in and of itself don't usually connect us to something that's so strong enough to pull us forward, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the numbers we have to recognize and we have to know what they look like. But when we're envisioning, when we're looking for what we want to create, when we're we're focusing on that sort of long-term plan, we can put numbers in there. But what we really want to do is connect to how those numbers will make us feel, how those numbers will create the life we want, the business we want, and what does that feel like? You know, so, so, so good. Now, 20 years you've been doing this, my friends, 20 years, you know, 20 years young is what I say, Sonia. All right. <laughs> Thank um, you for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm all about the young, you know, I was good. My kids, like I said, they always make me laugh when they're like, oh, mom, you're, you know, that gray hair. Thank you. I, I look at that. He's young, Finley and Chloe. Thank you. So 20 years young, you've been doing this, my friend, and you've been working with women. I want to know what have you learned in these last 20 years of working with women around how they view and attain the wealth though? Like, can you go a little bit deeper on that with us? Yeah. Look, I think women really struggle with attaining wealth, right? And there is both like the societal patriarchal stuff, which I can really get on a soapbox about and I won't <laughs> write this second. And there is also the way we've internalized all those viewpoints. And so then inside of us, we have run from wealth. We have given up wealth, you know, into the powers of our partners, right? A lot mm-hmm. of women just let their partner handle everything around money and they've given up some of that power around wealth. I, I find that, you know, in the 20 years, what I've kind of seen is that people who've been born into wealth stay in wealth Mm -hmm. and people who've not been born into wealth struggle to get it. And so, you know, I think it's really around the mindset that we're brought up in and the way that we view it and the way that we think about it. So if we change those viewpoints, if we change the way we see wealth, then that's really what starts to change our ability to attain it. But it's very interesting. And, and you know, I, I think both fortunately and unfortunately, depending on how you view self-development, mm-hmm. it does require the internal work of looking at how we believe about wealth, you know, and that does bring up trauma and that absolutely requires healing. And there's not a single woman I've worked with that doesn't have to go through some level of healing around wealth and money. Women in business, get ready to ignite your success and elevate your game. 
Join me for an exclusive three-day women in business conference from October 31st to November 2nd at the breathtaking Gold Coast, Australia. Designed exclusively for online business owners, service-based business owners, coaches, consultants, and course creators. What to expect at this amazing three-day Women in Business conference? Expect an immersive experience filled with fun, empowering keynote speakers, interactive workshops, networking opportunities with other successful business owners, gain valuable insights, forge meaningful connections, and leave inspired to take your business to new heights. 12 speakers have already been announced with five more speakers being announced shortly. We have Steph Taylor joining us, Anita Seat joining us, Lisa Cordiff joining us, and not to mention Manny from Sound Healing Australia, who will be there for the most magical sound healing experience ever. You do not want to miss the event of the year for women in business. To secure your ticket, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au today. And that's what I do want to touch upon about is beliefs next, right? The beliefs and the stories that we've either grown up with or that we can continue to tell ourselves about wealth because we we just weren't born, right? Yeah. Come out of the vagina and go, hey, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want wealth. I'm <laughs> that's like, right. You know, like, we just, it isn't like that. There's obviously, yep. we've been impacted through environment, through our parents, or et cetera. So I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about what beliefs do you feel or have you seen come up for women when they think about attaining more wealth? Yeah, I think that a lot of people resist it based on their previous ideas around it. So like, for instance, for a lot of us, you know, we might have had a, one or two parents who had these really unhealthy expressions around Mm -hmm. money, right? Mm -hmm. So either they fought a lot around money or they, you know, uh, resisted money or they judged people who had money or they judged people who didn't have money, right? So there's all these kind of things that happened and we have these reference points. Mm -hmm. And so one of the reasons we struggle is because we have those beliefs inside of us, even if we don't want them, there's still some, you know, kind of I don't know, like little um, flavor of it from our parents. And then we internalize it and then we start resisting well. So what I find for women especially is that many of them resist it because it feels gross, right? Mm-hmm. If it, it feels yucky, like I don't want to be one of those white male you know, and no offense to some white males, but like, you know, that patriarchal kind of idea that, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, flash my money around and I'm just going to spend it on myself and I'm just going to, you know, hoard it. Like Mm -hmm. there's all these ideas we have around money. And so who wants to attain wealth when it feels like that or looks like that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I know for myself, one of the things in my own uh, new business coach that I'm working with, she has these things called back pocket mentors. And one of the mentors was around money blocks. Mm. and wealth and I thought again as Denise has been telling me she goes Ange just try fucking everything you know (laughs) try everything you know and then make a decision of whether or not that's what you need in your life or not so you know for example I was at the chiropractor this weekend you know there's all these things I'm testing because it's like again well why not test right we'll see what works but one of the things is I did is I went to this money block lady and I was like, okay, I'm just going to go for it. Because again, I too have been looking at wealth and what does that mean for me? Right. And, yeah. you know, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the things she did was, and now listen, guys, again, you, you know how I am here about, you know, everything is, I'm very scientifically driven, you know, from a mental health perspective in my background and my degrees and stuff. But I was like, we're going to go with it. And this lady, I'm not even kidding you. All I gave for you guys was my first name, my last name, my email. That's it. And she gets on the call. 
And she goes, okay, great. So we're going to talk about your blocks today and your fears around really wealth is what she talked about and what you, and money in general. And I said, okay, yep. And she like starts tapping. I think that's the right words. Excuse me if I'm saying it wrong, right? Uh, Tapping in to the energy, et cetera. And she goes, it's your fear of bankruptcy. And I thought, what the fuck? My parents have filed bankruptcy twice. And I was like, literally she knew nothing else about me do you know like literally and I'm just sitting there like my I had to like pick my jaw up right and go oh my gosh right and it was though it's like that fear of if I start to have more wealth that it's going to get taken away from me because that's what's happened to my parents right so again it's it's I think it is so important, however you want to start redefining it and looking at it and unpacking it, right? So for me, I was like, hold on a minute, actually, again, no. So I was holding on to that unconsciously, right? Because I was like, no, that can be. But I was like, she's like, no, she's like, even if you don't think it or recognize it unconsciously, that's something you're holding on to. And so then I had to do some work around that. Was it, you know, uh, uncomfortable? 100%. And I guess that's what I'd like to go into next is, do you find women are comfortable or uncomfortable with the idea of wealth and having to work through this process? Oh, definitely uncomfortable. Uh (laughs) In fact, I have yet to find one single woman comfortable with this process. So throw comfort out the window because it's not going to happen if you want to attain wealth, unless you've already been in wealth and then it's more comfortable to keep creating it. Uh If you haven't had wealth, you're going to have to get into the uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the truth of it. Like it, it really is challenging to have to face ourselves, to have to look at what we experienced when we were children, to have to look at how our parents experienced, because money has all this stuff attached to it, right? It's not money in and of itself. Money is just a tool. It's just a thing. It just is neutral, but it's the way that it created things, or it's a way that it, you know, lots of people manipulate with money or, you know, like when you, when you lose money, like a bankruptcy is an example, like my, my dad also went through bankruptcy. It's so interesting because it can have such a major impact on your identity and Mm -hmm. on who you are and how you operate and, and on the way you see the world and on what all of a sudden one second you're able to buy things and the next second you're scrambling for a job. Like there's all this crazy stuff that it really ties into. And so it is going to be uncomfortable exploring it, but on the other side, there's freedom. Mm-hmm. And how important do you think, or how attached do you think, or the combination of freedom and wealth come hand in hand? Well, I think they're absolutely attached, but not probably in the way that everyone else views them. Because one of the things I find that is interesting is that a lot of people believe if I have more money, I have more freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's this belief out there, but it's, it's actually oftentimes not true. And so because a lot of times when you have more wealth or you have more money, it's because you also have more responsibility. You have more things you're managing. You have more stuff that's going on. And if that's what you want, fantastic. But if your idea is to literally have complete freedom, lay on a beach, you know, not be doing anything, you know, that is not what a lot of wealth is going to necessarily give you. Like maybe, maybe you can get lucky and be sort of that, you know, 0.001% that gets a big payout. And then you can just literally sit on the beach and do nothing (laughs) the rest of your life. But, you know, there's very few people who get that. So they, but where they are connected is that when we're experiencing freedom, like real freedom, then we do receive wealth. Mm -hmm. 
So that's how they're connected. But it's like the opposite of what a lot of people believe. You don't have to attain wealth to have freedom. You actually have to attain freedom first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Again, so listen to that. You must obtain freedom first. And I think it, it goes back into what we were talking about. If you want a seven-figure business or yep. $400,000, right? Yep. Is that it, you... I know, I'm just trying to think, I don't think I know anyone who hit seven figures without having at least one or two people helping, whether or not that was admin work, right? Like something small. I don't know anyone who's just hit a million just on their own. No Facebook ads team, no VA, no, do you know what I mean? So the thing is, it's like it naturally, there's a correlation that the more money you want, right? There is going to be bigger responsibility, that's um, right. And like I said, it doesn't necessarily mean it's very, it's, you almost have to think about it from a counterintuitive point of view is that again, you could have more freedom by doing less instead of making more. So again, these are things that I hope you listeners out there are thinking about. Um, and, you know, and as you start thinking about redefining what wealth is to you, because uh, if you're holding on to other stories about seven figures, et cetera, you probably are going to get a few hiccups along the way. And speaking of, I guess, do you find women complicate wealth? Like we're just talking about this. I mean, this is a prime example about seven figures, 400,000, et cetera. It's like, how yep. overcomplicating are they making this? Oh my gosh. I think, I think women overcomplicate everything. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, I think it's just because we overthink things. Uh-huh. We, you know, the, the feeling side of us, you know, and I, I'm probably definitely more woo than you are, Angela, yeah. but you know, the, the feeling side of us is actually so powerful. The feminine side of us, the one that can, you know, have an intention or create a vibration and attract things, right? Like mm-hmm. there are some really powerful feeling things we have, mm-hmm. but sometimes we get stuck, you know, know, in the thinking. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we overcomplicate, we overcompensate, right? Mm-hmm. We overdeliver, we, you know, try to figure out everything. And I think, yeah, it's, I see it in all areas and wealth is no exception because oftentimes we we're trying to figure out the how. See, that's one of the interesting things I talk about a lot with my clients is that sometimes we think in order to have a goal, like let's say, you know, a wealth goal or, you know, any kind of goal for your business, seven figures, whatever it is, we oftentimes think we need to know the thousand steps it's going to take to get to that, that we need to know the whole how we need to map out the entire plan. But in truth, there's not a single one of us who succeeded in our businesses that has known the whole plan. I mean, Mm -hmm. Did you know the whole plan, Angela? Could you have imagined where you are today? Because I couldn't. No, no. And you just kind of keep chucking away at it, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think sometimes we we think we have to know it all, right? And this is very much that sort of overcompensating that women do when really we just need to, you know, feel the next step. We need to know what we want to create, feel what that feels like, and just move in that direction. Mm-hmm. And when we feel this and we're moving into this, how do you, how do we create better goals for wealth then if we're using the feeling and we're doing this and kind of not trying to overcompensate? Is that, what does that look like a little bit more? Well, what I had my clients do was, as I said, first redefine define it. Yep. And then embody it. So, you know, I talk a lot about embodying, which is like trying something on and feeling it in your body. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, imagine yourself with wealth. How does it feel in your body? Right. And if it doesn't feel good, then you need to redefine it again, because Mm -hmm. if it feels negative or it feels constricting, then that's not a definition of wealth that feels good to you. But when you really have redefined wealth and you try it on, it's going to feel expansive, right? It's going to feel amazing. And so that's the feeling 
that you want. And you can use that feeling like a body compass or like a compass as you're looking for your goals. So as you start to feel what you want to create, as you start to feel the definition of those goals, you can use that compass to say what direction feels expanding right? Mm -hmm. And what direction feels constricting. And we have so much power and wisdom and intuitiveness in our bodies, but we're just not using it. And why do you think we're not utilizing it? Because I think intuitiveness isn't just about wealth. Intuitiveness can be influenced in many parts of our life, right? Um, And have you seen or come across any common, you know, denominators as to why we're not embracing that intuitiveness? Because I believe, you know, uh, success in business comes down to not only that mindset, I think 85 to 90% is mindset. I mean, strategy, I think actually plays a very minimal role. And you know, the more I'm embracing kind of the intuitive side, well, I've always been about follow your instinct, right? The intuitive stuff is I think so often we're like, no, no, all these other people are telling us, but if you really look at it, I call it the nudge, right? Is I believe the universe is giving us nudges and we know, but we're either choosing to pick up on those or not, right? That's and so right. I guess for me is I think business is part mindset, part strategy, but part intuitive. What are your thoughts? Yeah, 100%, all of that. Like it is a lot of, int- I feel like intuitiveness is how we operate. I mean, I'm a, I'm a strategic person. I like strategy, but I also think we overcomplicate complicate strategy as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we do need purpose, right? We can't just, for instance, just be doing all kinds of social media, our marketing, our random things that have no purpose, right? That's where Mm -hmm. strategy comes in. It needs to have a reason. It needs to make sense. It needs to be part of a system of why, what we're creating. Mm -hmm. But intuition is how we really decide direction. Intuition is how we decide what feels wrong or right. Intuition tells us that the person that we've hired is not a good fit or is a good fit. That intuition tells us whether we're actually practicing something in our business that's right or whether we need to tweak it or pivot it. So there's like this such a powerful energy and possibility with our intuition. But I think a lot of women haven't been taught how to utilize it in business. And I know this is like one of my primary things is how do we run a business in our more feminine power, which includes intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, again, it's something that needs to be explored more often. I mean, that would be a whole nother podcast episode. But I do yeah. think that, again, uh, I run from, again, I'm, I own that. I run from a very probably more masculine space, and but I do feminine. But again, then I think about, well, how is that defined? Because if you look at people saying, oh, you're quite, you know, you're, what, what was one person said to me when I was at a speaking event last year? She said, oh, you're very different in person. And I said, oh, what do you mean by that? She's like, you're very, she's like, actually, you're one of the most caring people I know. And I was yeah. like, oh, it was like interesting feedback, right? Because I am I think feedback is important because that's where the growth is. And I said, yeah. well, why is it? And she goes, well, when you're on your lives, you're just very straight to the point. And she's like, you welcome us, but you're just very straight to the point. And I said, yeah, I said, that's, I said, cause I don't believe that I should, why should I fluff around and waste 30 minutes of your time if I can get to the same thing in 20 minutes, right? Yeah. She's like, oh, okay. She's like, but you, she's like, you're so caring. She's like, and so I was like, well, you can have both. I still don't need fluff, but I can still be a caring person. I said, it's okay to have both. And she's yeah. like, yeah, she's like, yeah. So it was this great, conver- great and rich conversation we had, but again, you can have both. You don't have to have one or the other, but I often feel is that we don't give ourselves the opportunity to look at both masculine and feminine energy, right? It's like you've either been told this or you're told this, but you can obtain both. hundred percent. And in fact, when you know how to use both correctly for you, mm-hmm. which is again, very unique for each individual, then you unlock your full potential. 
And mm-hmm. that's the problem is that most people aren't using both in the right way. Mm-hmm. And everyone's really different. Like it's so much more important that you are aligned with who you naturally are. And on a spectrum, everyone is like somewhere in a percentage of feminine and masculine when they're born, right? There's yes. like this, you know, so like I know my youngest child, she is so much more masculine and, and that's just who she is. It's not because she's been indoctrinated to be that way. It's not because <laughs> she's trying to get be pleased. She just is masculine. And that's just who she is. Whereas my older daughter is like totally feminine. They're like literally the opposites of each other. And so then it's about aligning ourselves and our lives and our businesses with that natural energy, whatever part of the spectrum we're on. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that because of the way business is structured and because of the way it's been taught to us, we often deny the feminine side or we overdo the feminine side and don't use the masculine in the right way. So it's all about, you know, realigning really. Absolutely. But again, being, being open to that too, right? Is that you don't have to be this or that just because someone told you that, or that's that's how you've been brought up. You've always got opportunity to change those stories for yourself and to move through that. Now, I'd also, I'm curious to know that, you know, you know, women that you've been working with, they're redefining their wealth, they're embodying what that looks like. I'd love for you to share a little bit with us some of the transformations that you've seen around women in wealth and business and careers and life in general, when they really do redefine well for themselves when they truly embody it and they start unpacking some of that stuff because it is going to feel uncomfortable. So what are some of those transformations? Oh my gosh, there's so many, but you know, I think they can be as simple as I have seen women who've come to me and they feel like, you know, they are so stuck in the lack of freedom and time and energy. And they think that freedom and time and energy is like, like far off, you know, 20 years down the path when they make their seven figures or whatever. And so one of the transformations that happens just with redefining wealth and doing some of this uncomfortable work, as you were saying, is that they experience freedom right away. Mm-hmm. It's just right here. They didn't realize they were always sitting in the possibility of it. And just by some tweaks in their life, a few, you know, changes, very quick changes, they're able to absolutely create a freedom, time, energy, all the things they thought they would have to wait until they had a lot of money. So that's one thing that happens with a shift in wealth mindset. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing is like you create amazing opportunities. Like it is just money flows in. When you really shift your wealth mindset, like I don't even know where it comes from sometimes, right? It's like all of a sudden, all these opportunities, all these things open up. And part of it is because your vibration is different and people are attracted to it. When you have a wealth mindset, people are like drawn to it because you're expanded and you're open and you're giving and you're relaxed and you're at ease. And so then that really attracts opportunities. It attracts more clients. It attracts wealth. Like there's all these things that it little literally magnetizes. And so, you know, you don't have to work as hard as you were working before with your scarcity mindset. So that's a really powerful transformation. And I guess, you know, all those transformations will come down to individuals, but if you could have more freedom and everything else, I think again, most women listening to this podcast will probably be shaking their heads to a little bit of, yes, I wouldn't mind a little dash of that in my life. Right (laughs) now I know, and you know, we're much, we're not here just for a podcast and we're not just here to help women. We're here for the bigger picture about society changes or societal changes, community changes and world changes. So I'm going to make an assumption here, which I don't like to make an assumption because that could make an ass of you and I, but I'm going to assume that we need more women in wealth for a bigger picture. Would I be correct in saying that? Hell yes, you would. Okay. Yep. I mean, we absolutely need more women in power. We need more women with wealth. I mean, it's so interesting because when you recognize 
when, when everyone starts sort of shifting their wealth around you, like even, you know, the client, the few clients I might work with at a time or whatever is happening in the communities I'm in, when that wealth mindset shifts all around, the, there's more wealth created and that wealth is then redistributed into areas that we care about, right? More women are supporting women. More women are supporting families. More women are supporting social causes. More women are supporting mental health and, you know, um, you know, all, all of the different things that we really care about. And so it totally shifts everything. And I think, you know, a long time ago, they talked about how when they were looking at all the factors around poverty, what would actually shift the global poverty? And mm-hmm. what they realized is they needed to invest in girls because girls will continue to redistribute their wealth, their money, everything that they create into the community. Whereas they found that men would often just sort of redistribute it back into, you know, their habits, their drinking habits, their smoking habit, their, you know, sex slave habit, you know, whatever sort of happens. And so they realized that, that all of these kind of movements started having to reinvest in girls because there is this redistribution that we do. And I think that is one of the most powerful things that we can do as women with wealth. Absolutely. Because again, we're, we're here for change, right? And again, it would be another conversation, but you know, it's, it's women fail more often in men in business. Women have less money than men in business. You know, women have less tools to resources than men, right? Like the list goes on and on. And it comes down to is again, from a bigger perspective is it's going to be up to us to start, you know, making some of those changes happen. Right. I know when I had Allie who uh, she owns a business over here called code, like a girl, she was talking yeah. about the an uneven distribution of wealth and money for males versus females and things like that. And she says it starts with the younger generation. She said, if we can start to make an impact with these young girls now, what will the greater impact be in 20 years from now? So she, again, she's a very powerful woman and it was lovely having her on the podcast, but very similar, right? Now we could talk about wealth for hours. We could talk about uh, inequalities forever. We could talk about a lot of things, you and I, we always have to always try and we'll be like, well, we've been on our call for an hour. We got to go. We got to get back to work. Um, But I know you have an amazing event coming up and there's, you know, for people who know me know I will not just back something and just back something. It has to actually show value and that it's worth something, you know, and things like that. And I know who you are and you're an amazing person and a knowledgeable person. And you're here for, like I said, bigger growth. And so you've got this amazing event coming up. Uh, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about that event event and how people can um, either sign up to go to that event or connect with you. Oh, thanks, Ange. That's beautiful. Yeah, look, I have really spent the last six months just, you know, being in this environment that we've been in, right? And obviously, I've been in the States. So, you know, we got hit with the coronavirus really early. We've obviously had the Black Lives Matter movement. There's been so much social unrest and social change. And of course, it's happening with my clients in Australia as well. Like, you know, it's all over the world that we're experiencing so much change. And what I've seen is that a lot of women have kind of thought about just writing off 2020. I just kept hearing this over and over again. I'm just going to write off 2020, like forget it. All the goals I had in January, I'm just washing them out. Like I just, I don't have the motivation to create. I'll try again next year. And that really motivated me to create something 
that will really help us reclaim 2020. And that's what I'm calling the event, Reclaim 2020. And it's a one-day virtual event. And it is, you know, in the sort of US time zone. But what I've done is created a pre-event mini course, the live event replays, and then I'm going to have these bonus materials. So it's going to be a live event plus this beautiful mini course. And it's all about us taking back our power this year. So, you know, how do we get really clear about what our new desires are? How do we, you know, go after wealth? How do we redefine what wealth means to us? How do we create more effectively? And so I think, you know, it's, we really need this shakeup because so many people are struggling this year to create big. They might just kind of be satisfied. They might just kind of create these many goals, but I want women to create big. And that's what this event is all about. So it's going to, it's going to be amazing. We've got an optional, you know, morning yoga program, because I think that's very important. We're going to have Q&As and breakouts and training, and it's just going to be this amazing, inspirational and motivational day to create something new this year. And I really know people will walk away feeling transformed. I've been work for 20 years. I know what it takes to really create what we want, and that's what this whole event is about. And we will have that link to the event in the show notes um, so that you guys, you know, if you're driving and you don't have pen and paper, we will definitely get that uh, link in there. Is it just on your website, Sonia? Just to- Yeah, and it's also at reclaim2020event.com. All right, fantastic. And we'll make sure that we have all of that. Now, I do have one final question is what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out in business? Oh, gosh, I wish I knew to just really dream bigger. Right. I feel like even when I first started in business, I limited myself and, you know, I didn't really hold myself to a bigger vision. I kind of was like, oh, I'm just going to do something. I'm just going to make it happen. I'm just going to, you know, see what happens. Um, I wish that I would have dreamed even bigger when I was then. Yep. No, fantastic. Now, I can't thank you enough for, I know it is a Sunday at time of recording over there and that is your family time, but we're like, how can we make this happen? Yeah, uh, so yes, thank no, you. So thank you so much for giving up some of your Sunday to come on and talk about wealth. And I hope for those listeners out there, you start thinking about, again, playing bigger, dreaming yes. bigger. What does wealth look like? Redefining wealth and really getting uncomfortable because I believe when you get uncomfortable, magic starts to happen. Transformation starts to happen. And before we sign off, my team and I will also be putting together the show notes for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. So all the links for the events, how else you can connect with Sonia, everything like that will be over on the show notes. And as I mentioned earlier, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to share it, especially over on Instagram stories by tagging me at Angela Henderson Consulting, also tagging Sonia. We'd greatly appreciate that. And if you haven't already left a review or subscribe to the podcast, please make sure you do. Thanks again for being on the show today, Sonia. I really appreciate that. And for the rest of you, have a fabulous day no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks again, Sonia. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson www.angelahenderson.com.au